Good evening. It is a Tuesday at 6 p.m. and welcome to Grandcast. I am your host tonight. My name is Eamon Chen and with me is my wonderful friend, Ariel. Hey guys. As our sort of last minute fill-in guest today, we have another really good friend of Gradcast. In fact, she's a committee member. We have Tanya Nagpal. How are you doing? I'm doing well. We didn't have to tell them it was last minute. Well, <laughs> after all, last minute is best minute. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Tanya, you yourself are also less recently, but sort of recently back from a very interesting international trip. Where did you go? Yes, so um, I got a really cool opportunity to do a trip to Spain. Um, I was at the university, the Technical University of Madrid for three weeks uh, doing a experiential global learning opportunity as a part of my PhD. And um, it was amazing and I'm really happy to have gone, not so happy to be back, but hopefully can go back again in the future. Well, I mean, you don't have to be that honest. I mean, <laughs> is Madrid really that much better than London, Ontario? Um. Yes. The you know what? Yes. London's got some great <laughs> aspects to it. That's my <laughs> diplomatic answer. Okay, wonderful. So you said this was a an experiential learning experience. What What is that? So um, Western provides some internal funds for global uh, experiential learning opportunities cool. uh, for graduate students. So I was fortunate to um, take advantage of that program. And basically, you have a host supervisor in the country that you'll be traveling to mm -hmm. outside of Canada. And um, the goal is to do a short-term project or learn a new skill or um, experience a new lab environment, or maybe all three, um, in the hopes of advancing your knowledge in your sort of specific field for your PhD. And of course, like making connections with other researchers worldwide, right? Yeah, yeah, it was incredible. Okay, so you listed three things, you know, work with a new lab, new project, new things. Uh, w did you manage to do all three on your trip there? I think so. So um, my PhD work is being done in the exercise and pregnancy lab here at Western with okay. Dr. Michelle Matola. And um, the lab that I got to be a part of at the Technical University of Madrid, they also do exercise and pregnancy work. Um, kind of similar to ours but very different as well so here at western we do a lot of one-on-one -on -one exercise and pregnancy work um whereas in madrid they do a lot of group fitness with their pregnant participants mm -hmm. um here at western my primary focus has been on adherence to behavior change during pregnancy and specifically how that impacts both mom's weight gain and baby's birth weight mm -hmm. whereas in madrid um we were looking at a completely different outcome so i was working um looking at prenatal depression. Okay. So you're a researcher in exercise and pregnancy. Yes. Could you talk a little bit about, like, what's the link between these two mm -hmm. things? Yeah. So usually when I tell people that that's what I research, um, I'm kind of met with one of two responses. Mm -hmm. Either I get something like, wow, that's really cool, or something like, what? That's something to study because shouldn't hmm. you not exercise during pregnancy? Which is a myth and it's false. Um, okay. And so research has shown that being physically active during pregnancy has many benefits for both the mom and the baby, um, both sort of right during that pregnancy. So things like um, sim as simply as improved energy levels for the mom, um, improved fitness that would help you out with labor and delivery, um, but also more long-term outcomes like preventing diabetes, um, preventing 
high blood pressure during pregnancy. And then recent re research, which is called the Developmental Origins of Health and Disease, has actually shown that moms who are active during pregnancy, they're almost doing like a programming effect on the baby that can help them prevent future chronic diseases. So for example, um, you can help, you know, if mom is able to prevent diabetes, we see that babies are at decreased risk of diabetes. Um, if babies are born with an appropriate birth weight, they're at decreased risk for obesity. And the list sort of continues. Um, but all in all, activity during pregnancy, exercise during pregnancy is super, super important. Okay. So, I mean, we, we've probably heard of things like baby Mozart or stuff like <laughs> that, but it sounds like that uh, exercise, like a maternal exercise during pregnancy could have a much more real, much more lasting effect on how your baby develops in the future. Yeah. And I, and I know there's lots of research supporting uh, musical intervention during pregnancy and right. shown some great benefits too. Um, maybe do both. Put the headphones on the belly and go for a walk. Okay. Really? That's a, th that's a thing? You can put headphones on belly and play music to a baby? I mean, that's what, actually, there's labs at Western who do that research. So I'm not 100% familiar with their results, but I do know that you could, I don't know if people still have Walkmans, though. Well, I mean, <laughs> headphones, you could listen to podcasts, right? You know, <laughs> mom could be listening to, yeah. you know, uh, making murder or whatever serial podcasts. I and thought you were going to put a shameless well. plug for Gradcast. Or Gradcast. Yeah, like... And become research Right. Uh, your, your baby could be a future graduate student <laughs> by listening to Gradcast. I mean, I was, I mean, next question, I mean, I know it's not your work, but I was mm -hmm. going to say, like, well, what music then? Like, could they be listening to a podcast? Mozart. Why not? I honestly, <laughs> for sure. I honestly don't know, but I mean, I, I'm sure there, I know there's research being done related oh, okay. to that, but I honestly don't know the results. Mozart's kind of been the one that the media's probably mm. picked up the most on, and that's why we hear it, hear about it the most. Um, so yeah. the connection, I guess, to me, like, just on the face of it, like, the connection between playing music to your baby and how it might affect its health. I don't know. I wasn't I'm not really sure. Maybe late in the pregnancy, maybe there's something because they can actually hear and there's like maybe help with language. I can understand the connection, mm -hmm. but the intervention that you're talking about, exercise, like that's a change in the entire physiology of the mother pretty exactly. much. And that can, I mean, I can see the connection sort of. It yeah. seems more clear on the face of it. Like what sort of mechanistically do you have sort of an idea like what is changing when you when a mother exercises that's helping the baby yeah so i mean pregnancy is a cool cool time literally every single system in the body changes as soon as that sort of cascade of pregnancy begins mm -hmm. um so even just beginning looking at kidneys and the risk of diabetes so as soon as you are pregnant moms are actually um they naturally go into a state of insulin resistance so what this means is that um they're they're not really picking up on insulin as much as they were previously. And the reason for this is because we need to increase the amount of glucose or sugar in the mom's blood because that's the energy source for the baby developing. So now, if you think about the fact that you've got lots more blood glucose or blood sugar, if mom is not active or she's sedentary and she's also eating maybe um, sugar or high carb diet. Eating for two. Eating for two, which right. is also a myth. Thank you very much for bringing oh. that up. Um, and basically, uh, you're you have elevated sugar levels and you're adding more on top of that. And what happens to the baby who's responding to this is they're getting more sugar, so they're going to keep growing. Um, and if they're going to keep growing, they're going to get bigger and bigger. Um, so you ha you put yourself at risk for macrosomia, which is babies being born too big. And also, if you go into the third trimester, 
Now the baby is developing more functional organs themselves. So they have their own functioning kidneys. You give this baby more sugar, they're going to respond by producing their own insulin. And what happens when they produce more insulin? They get bigger and bigger. So it's kind of this back and forth response. Now throw exercise into the mix. And when I say exercise, I'm not saying, you know, go to the gym and break a sweat um, or, you know, lift heavy weights or anything of that sort. Exercise is in during pregnancy is moving those major muscle groups in ways that are safe and comfortable. Um, so like going for a walk or going for swimming or light aerobics. Um, and doing just that actually um, improves mom's insulin response. So reduces that high levels of blood sugar that is floating around in her blood. Um, so yeah, so that's just one example. But even examples like weight gain. So if moms are we know you gain weight during pregnancy. You're supposed mm -hmm. to have a gradual increase. But if you're exercising and you're active, you can make sure you don't gain excessively. Um, and when I say excessively, when you gain weight in pregnancy, you've got the baby that's adding some weight. You've got your placenta that's adding some weight. You've got some increased blood flow. In addition to that, it could be fat that you're actually adding. Um, and again, adding more fat um, makes perhaps the baby bigger, but it also puts you at risk for all sorts of other uh, problems associated with increased fat, like high blood pressure. So those are just two kind of key examples, but you could basically pick any organ and come up with a benefit of exercise and how it impacts the baby. Um, so yeah, you said not not severe ex not severe exercise and I, I guess I'm not not really surprised because the first thing I thought it was like exercise in the baby like I mean, you don't want to jostle it like take mm -hmm. it easy <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know shake an egg too hard and the yolk comes out not so happy mm -hmm. yeah so uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean there are there are Canadian guidelines for exercise during pregnancy and so um, just in the most sort of simplistic way it's um, the goal is to exercise three to four times per week, um, starting at maybe even 15 minutes per session if maybe you weren't an exerciser before. Um, but if you were an exerciser before, you could go to a higher rung, which might be 30 minutes per session. And you're focusing on those large muscle groups. Um, so that's why I gave examples like walking and swimming. Mm -hmm. um, and then you're also trying to be at a moderate intensity, so you're not going to that high sort of shaken do you, do you look at like heart rate like i'm mm -hmm. i guess i know that i guess i'm not a high exerciser let's mm -hmm. say that <laughs> but i know that um you know when people do exercise at least my family is super exercisery mm -hmm. and uh they <laughs> uh always are like okay oh, i gotta hit this heart rate yeah. and that means i'm exercising properly yeah. like yeah, is so there, there a are thing target for, heart rate zones. okay yeah so is it like way lower they are lower um and they're based actually they're very individualistic um so it's based on the mom's previous activity level. So pregnancy is not a time to train. If you've never exercised before and now you're pregnant, you're not going to be like, hey, I'm going to lift heavy weights now. Um, I'm going to go for a jog now, even that. So it's based on your pre-pregnancy activity level, your pre-pregnancy body mass index, as well as your age. So they vary according to that. But I mean, some simple ways, because not everybody has access to a heart rate monitor all the time. Um, we say that during pregnancy, you can use the talk test, which is if you can carry a conversation just like we are now um, while you're exercising, then you're at a, a safe intensity. Sweet. Mm -hmm. I actually have two. Um, I'm wondering if you know anything about how the effects of exercise on in a pregnant mother mm -hmm. is mediated by age. What about lactate in the blood? Because you mentioned glucose yeah. as a sugar. Lactate can be used as a fuel too. So I'm right. wondering if you know anything about those two things. Right. <laughs> um, well, in terms of age, um, so 
an older age, so um, currently they, I, I, I believe it's older than 35, um, it would be considered a high-risk pregnancy simply because of mom's hormones and um, just everything associated with pregnancy and age. It's harder to... Um, it's harder to adapt to pregnancy as you age. And so in terms of what the exercise should be based on your age, there isn't anything to say, you know, if you're 38, you should do this or anything of that sort. It again goes back to your pre-pregnancy activity levels. Hmm. So you could be 22 and have never exercised, but you could also be 38 and exercise every single day. Both your exercise prescriptions will be completely different during pregnancy. Um, In terms of lactate, unfortunately, I'm not 100% familiar with that literature, Um, but I do think it would, similar to the blood sugar, it would react the same way, I think, as it would in a non-pregnant population. Um, Yeah, but that's kind of my guess, but I'm not entirely sure. Okay, so going back to these projects you worked on in Spain, well, what did you do on your little uh, exchange, yeah. you know, across the pond? Yeah, um, so I had the unique opportunity to sort of pick up on a study um, that was finishing up. Um, and so while I was there, um, they were doing group fitness classes with pregnant women. Mm-hmm. So they are offering three classes per week, hour-long sessions that incorporated some aerobic exercise, some light weight training, and some uh, pelvic floor work. And um, they were looking at how participating in this program impacted depression. And okay. so um, what I looked at specifically was what about those women who started this program already at risk for depression? And does exercise provide them with any benefits? And what I found was that women who were in the exercise group um, at the end of their pregnancy, so after they completed this program, they were no longer at, in the at-risk category, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Uh, whereas women who were in the control group or the group that did not receive the exercise program, um, they actually didn't see any change. So they were still within the at-risk group. So. Well, how can you tell if someone is at risk of depression? Mm-hmm. So um, there's multiple scales that you can use. So this is a survey. It's self-reported. Mm-hmm. Um, it allows women to answer a m- number of questions that um, take a look at their mood, and they rank it on scales. Okay. Um, and a, and in this specific scale that we used, a score greater than 16 would indicate at risk. All right. And so you said you had you saw a reduction in mm-hmm. those women who completed the exercise intervention. Yep, exactly. And so it is baseline, like, so they typically wouldn't change. I mean, presumably in your not treatment group, that's mm-hmm. like, that's uh, recreating what other people may, might have measured yeah. when they, ever they had a, a control group where they, they didn't do any intervention. Typically you would have, if they were at risk, they would just stay. But actually also if they weren't at risk at the beginning, there's, is they, are they more likely to have gone up? Like, would we not have even accepted? You said they stayed mm-hmm. the same, but could they have not even have gone up if they didn't have the If they didn't have the exercise? exercise. Um, definitely. So actually, um, so like I said, I came in at the tail end of the study, but the big study looked at everybody. And what they found was that even if you weren't at risk at baseline, if you were given no exercise, you actually went up. So you mm-hmm. could have gone into the at-risk category. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think basically if you put both of them together, what we're showing is that exercise has a preventative effect on prenatal depression, but it can also have a management effect or even maybe a treatment effect. Wow. I mean, we know pregnancy is pretty pretty dangerous, pretty risky, <laughs> risky business to begin with. But now we're seeing more specifically the 
what it means mm-hmm. for it to be risky. I mean, I guess we've it's kind of cool that we've. I mean, it seems like in history, pregnancy is was really dangerous to get pregnant back in the day. <laughs> yeah, and, and now we're we've got it down, but still we've got to work out these in, you know nuances. Yeah, and I think um, I mean we hear a lot about postnatal depression, so that's after baby is born, mm-hmm. uh, maybe something like postpartum blues or postpartum depression. Um, but prenatal depression, depression during pregnancy, is also something we need to consider, um, and it, it infects about twelve to twenty percent of all pregnancies. Um, in non-pregnant groups, we've shown that exercise is beneficial for mood. So a lot of people will say things like, you know, after they do a workout, they feel really good. Um, so this kind of effect continues in pregnancy, and that's really what we've shown. But I think an important piece is that during pregnancy, it's really hard to provide medical intervention, so in the form of antidepressants. So if we can show that exercise is medicine, um, which is a whole other awesome initiative, mm-hmm. then um, I think that would really benefit the medical community and what doctors and physicians are able to do with their pregnant patients who might be at risk of or have depression. Okay. So you spoke about the mothers in these studies. Um, have you followed up or is there any sort of follow-up about what happens to the babies after they're born? Yeah. So this study, um, so I'm not a part of the follow-up piece, mm-hmm. but they definitely are following up with the, the mothers in the postpartum all the way up to one year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do they have any sort of projections? What are they hoping or, you know, planning to find? Yeah. So other literature has shown that, um, prenatal exercise, so exercise during pregnancy, uh, reduces your risk of postpartum depression. So again, a very positive uh, positive, um, aspect of exercise, not just during pregnancy, but afterwards as well. Okay. Mm -hmm. Are there any positive effects on the baby? Yeah. So um, depression that goes undiagnosed Mm -hmm. during pregnancy or um, is not taken care of throughout the prenatal period, those babies are more at risk of preterm birth. So that's Born, being born too early. Okay. They're also at risk of intrauterine growth restriction, which is um, the placenta and just the mom's uterine environment is not letting the baby grow to their full potential, even if they're born at the right age, gestational age. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there's also been shown studies that in the postpartum, uh, babies might be more lethargic or more tired. Um, and then uh, moms might have trouble with breastfeeding. So all of these sort of um, out health outcomes, if women are active during their pregnancy, we see a reduction in those outcomes. Okay, so all sorts of potential consequences for babies right at the start of their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Um, so another thing that comes to mind is, uh, you know, people who are depressed seem to also eat differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like eating is, you know, an important part to being pregnant. It's a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, well... Also, you need to fuel yourself. Yes. I mean, are we pre- not oh, not necessarily talking about overeating when we're talking about eating. So, what are you eating? Are you eating high mm-hmm. sugar, sodium, fat, whatever? Um, does being depressed when you're pregnant modify that? And if you can reduce the depression with exercise, does that also then affect your diet? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great question, and it lets me go to the second myth of the eat for two. All right. Um, so uh, that is not true. Um, so and just to give kind of I'm going to sidetrack before I answer the question. Just Excellent. thinking about thinking about baby's tummy size and thinking about your tummy size. Do you really think they need to eat the exact same amount as you? Hmm. Right. Just right. You know? Yeah, they're tiny. So there you go. Don't need that, need um, so that. actually during pregnancy in the third trimester, um, you're really only increasing your diet about by like two to three hundred calories, um, which is not 
twice what you're eating. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so during pregnancy, yeah, so true. yeah. So during pregnancy, what they recommend in terms of diet, um, and this is at least the diet plan that we use in our lab here at at Western, is a modified gestational diabetic diet. So again, focusing on that diabetes piece because moms are at risk of diabetes. Um, And what this looks like is you're trying to have smaller meals more often. So Hmm. we recommend three meals with three snacks and with a big focus on carbohydrates. So that's your sugars that you're having, trying to have more complex sugars. So that's things in like your vegetables your um, whole grain pastas and um, your uh, dairy products like cheese um, versus simple sugars. So that's what you would find in maybe your chocolates or your white breads. Um, And so that's what we recommend to women, having smaller meals more often, controlling their carb intake. Uh, Some research has shown that if you are diagnosed with prenatal depression, you are more likely to have overnutrition. Um, But... We haven't specifically looked at it, but other studies, um, when women are provided with an actual intervention, so somebody supporting them with their nutrition behavior change, they're more likely to follow the guidelines, almost like Big Brother's watching, so maybe mm. that's why. Right. Um, but again, um, eating and exercise go hand in hand. You do need both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. I mean, I guess I know that like uh, people eat also differently. <laughs> so do you need to eat more if you're going to do the exercise thing? Like, you know, I know that I've seen, uh, like, marathon runner, runners eat, like, a whole stick of butter, and they're like, nope, <laughs> I need the fuel. Like, yeah. I'm a runner or something. I don't know. Maybe mountaineers are, yeah. that are doing that, I think. Maybe yeah. maybe not marathon runners. Yeah. Well, I think it's but, important during pregnancy. It's not a time to train, right? So you're not trying to, you know, make gains, for lack of better words. <laughs> um, yeah. And so it's more so about leading a healthy lifestyle. Um, so you're trying to eat well and exercise. So if you're kind of, and again, with the exercises, you're not doing such high intensity training where you would be in lack of fuel, if you will. But I think if you are meeting the guidelines with the moderate intensity exercise, um, you'll, the guidelines for what you should be eating during pregnancy is enough to compensate. Again, different requirements depending on your pre-pregnancy activity level and even your diet before pregnancy. Some women may need more, some women may need less. Um, yeah, so it's very indiv- it is really dependent on each individual and their activity habits and eating habits before pregnancy. I'm always really intrigued at like how we're really working it out. We're, we're we in the everybody who's studying this type of stuff uh, is working out the environment and mm-hmm. its effect on us. Mm-hmm. And it's a hot topic now, like um, diet, exercise, microbiome, all sorts of things that are like not you that are coming in yeah. and kind of affecting you. Yeah. Um, another one that I'm thinking of is sleep and light. Mm-hmm. And these two things I'm sure are gonna affect depression as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, um, sure. What's yeah. your take on those two and yeah. how are they affected by exercise or affect whether people will exercise. I don't know. Either way. Interestingly, I read a review recently suggesting Mm -hmm. that women who exercise during pregnancy have better sleep habits. But um, that wasn't my review. But I will say this, just kind of anecdote, like with the women that I see often, is your sleep patterns change during pregnancy. Some women, especially in the first trimester, are extremely tired. No matter how much you exercise or what you're doing, it's just a uh, because of the changes in hormones. and then some women that let that 
feeling of tiredness continues throughout pregnancy. Other women sort of hit second trimester and they bounce back. Um, so there is some research suggesting being active during pregnancy helps with sleeping. Again, that's the same as non-pregnant populations as well. But keep in mind the amount of changes going on in your body during pregnancy, sleep is definitely affected. Wow, that's that's really cool. I mean, it's the whole, we're we're getting there. We're gonna get the yeah. whole picture at some point, but it's nice to see that like yeah. the ins and outs for every aspect is is getting worked out. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, we don't have too much time left, but I think a question that you know we do need to ask, mm-hmm. I guess, to you <laughs> specifically, <laughs> is you know why this? Like, why did you want to study this? Why study this? Um, this, you know, honestly, I, I have two kind of answers to this. One, I've always thought pregnancy is the coolest thing in the entire world. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's always fascinated me, and I didn't really know what I wanted to be when I grow up. Um, I don't think I still know what I want to be when I grow hey. up. Um, when you grow up. When I grow up. <laughs> um, and so when I finished my undergrad in health studies, all I knew was I don't want to be a doctor and I think pregnancy is cool. So what does that lead me to? Um, And basically I found the exercise and pregnancy lab, gave it a shot and fell in love with the work there. And here I am. Serendipity, right? Yeah. So ask me in a couple of years, maybe I'll add to that answer. Well, I mean, I guess another question that needs to be asked is, how did you find your time in Spain and working <laughs> in a different lab, in a different environment, on yeah. a different continent, different yeah. language environment? Yeah. It was absolutely incredible. Um, and it, time went by so fast, really like time flies when you're mm-hmm. having fun. The family that I stayed with was unbelievable. I felt right at home. And so I got to experience the Spain culture that way. Um, the lab was super welcoming and uh the European lifestyle I could totally get used to. Um, and so, yeah, it was great. I really enjoyed it. And it was a wonderful opportunity to get to do that. Cool. So um, uh, part of the reason I was just away in Berlin for a conference was I was, you know, checking out some other labs to maybe do a postdoc. I don't mm-hmm. know if you were planning to do, looking Something out for the same thing, but maybe now's your chance to tell people what you're interested in doing next and maybe (laughs) refer them to your website or whatever you want to refer them to. Sure. Um, So um, if you want to learn more about kind of the work that I'm up to, um, definitely the R. Samuel McLaughlin Foundation Exercise and Pregnancy Lab website. Um, So that's um, if you search Exercise and Pregnancy Lab UWO, you'll find it. Um, I'm actually co-supervised in the Exercise and Health Psychology Lab as well, so you can check that out too. Um, and then otherwise, I think email is probably my best my best friend. Uh, so that's T-N-A-G-P-A-L at U-W-O dot C-A. Um, and stay tuned for what the future has to hold. <laughs> okay, it's been lovely having you here again today on the other side of the microphone, mm-hmm. Tanya. This has been GradCast with me, Yimin Chen, and Ariel Frame. And our producer today is Vicky Telios. GradCast is a production of the Society of Graduate Students here at the University of Western Ontario. We come at you live-ish on air uh, at Radio Western, CHRW, every Tuesday at 6 p.m. You can also find us at our website on at www.gradcast.ca where we'll have all of our archives for all of our podcasts. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Google, or wherever you get your fine podcasts. And do drop us a line sometimes at gradcastradio at gmail.com if you're interested in coming on to be a guest or joining us on the production committee. 
or if you have any comments or questions, we would be happy to have them. And that's all for tonight. Have a good one. The Gradcast theme tune has been composed for us by Matthew Becker.